Welcome back to Murder in the Black. It is your host, Steph. And today, our case is about Eric Schumer. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. always love giving you guys a preview of the victim in our case. I think that it's so important to just get a preview of who they were prior to the incident happening. And that just kind of tells us a little bit more about them, definitely gives us more of a clear view into their humanity and their characteristics and their personality. And I think that's such a pivotal part in telling you guys these true crime stories. So Eric was the son of immigrants from Ghana. His parents moved to the United States to give him and his siblings a better life as well as give themselves better job opportunities. Eric was the youngest of his siblings. He had two sisters, two older sisters, Cynthia and Susie, and he had an older brother. So you know, as the saying goes, the baby of the family is always spoiled. And I can tell you guys that it's true. It's true because I'm the baby of my family. And if you grow up with your siblings, you have a good upbringing and you get along well as you grow up, that that spoiling factor just doesn't stop. It continues. And that was Eric's experience. His sisters absolutely adored him. And so did his brother. And they just had a really good relationship. They described his personality as just a very warm personality. He was aesthetically pleasing. He was very handsome. Um, He was vibrant. He was an entrepreneur. He was charismatic. I mean, he was just everything that you would want a man to be. He embodied it. He was tall, dark, and handsome. And that obviously made him a ladies man. In 2012, Eric is 34 years old. He owns his own Jaguar, has his own place, and he's living right outside of D.C. in a town called North Bethesda, Maryland. He's truly living the good life. He has his own Jaguar. He owns his own place, and he's working at a car dealership. But one day, he does not show up to work, and his older sisters could not get in contact with him. He, they were obviously worried. And um, if you guys listened to our podcast last week, I was talking about Andrine McDonald and how when she didn't show up to work, her friends immediately went to her home. And I was saying, you know, I do not think that my friends would come to my home if I was, if no one found me, right? Like, that's just my thought. They, my my friends could be the real MVPs and show up for me. But the people that I know without a shadow of a doubt, if they, if no one can find me, who would come and check up on me would be my sister and my brother, my family. 
You know what I mean? And so in this case with Eric, his sisters could not get in contact with him and they were worried and they pulled up. They pulled up on him as older sisters would do. They called the police when they arrived at his place because the the um landlord or the 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 supervising tenant wouldn't allow them into Eric's apartment and you know legal reasons and so forth but they needed a welfare check they needed to know that their brother was okay so the police arrived and when they arrived the police walked into his apartment and they noticeably smelled something it was just the odor of something that you'll never forget, as they say. They say, if you smell death, you'll never forget that smell. And that's what they smelled. And so they noticed that it wasn't, no one like broke the door or there was no forced entry at all. And they smell this, the, the smell of death. And so they go into the bedroom and covered up with the sheet is Eric. And there's a bullet hole in the center of his head. It appeared to be a suicide. Initially, the police felt like this was clear-cut suicide, that Eric had committed suicide. That's how it looked when they arrived on scene. However, Cynthia and Susie, Eric's older sisters, begged the police to take a closer look at the murder scene. They said that Eric would never take his own life. He loved life. They knew their brother and they knew that this was not as it appeared. So Cynthia and Susie really advocated for their brother and they really made sure that they emphasized that their brother wouldn't do this. And I have to say here that I just really, sometimes I've, I, like exploring crime cases, I typically always say like, you never truly know a person, right? Like a person only gives, you know, different parts of their personality character to different people, right? And so the fact that Cynthia and Susie were able to definitively say that their brother would not commit suicide, I think is, it speaks to the nature of their relationship. They really really knew their brother and they had a close relationship with him because that's the only way I feel like you can definitively say this person would not take their life because you know sometimes in situations you know people could be going through things and you have no idea that they are so I think that it just speaks to the nature of Cynthia and Susie's connection to their brother Now, Detective Dimitri Reuven was placed on the case and he eventually ruled that it was foul play. He saw all the evidence and said, you know what? This isn't a suicide. It's not as it appears. I'm going to say that this is a foul, that there's foul play involved here. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So the detective is now investigating and he quickly rules out the family. He knows that Eric's family is not involved at all or they're not suspected of anything. And so he moves on to Eric's personal life. I previously said that Eric was a playboy and he really was. He was a ladies man, playboy, however you want to put it. He was that. He had women. He would go home with different women every night. And his brother said that, you know, he warned Eric. He said, Eric, listen, I know you're in your 30s. You're enjoying your bachelor life. But listen, being with these amount or this amount of women can get you caught up. It can lead to something that you may not want. And so you just need to chill out. You know what I'm saying? Like chill. You can have fun. But I just think you have way too many women. And Eric being 34, not having any responsibilities besides himself, he continued to do what he wanted to do, which was frequent bars, bring home ladies. And he had an active love life. Now, one of the women who Cynthia and Susie brought to the detective's attention was a woman named Denise. And Denise was 20 years older than Eric. So Eric was 34. So she was around 50. And they were seeing each other for about a year, a little bit over a year. And Cynthia and Susie did not like this woman. They felt like she was using um, Eric. Now using what? from Eric I really don't know because <laughs> I would say that you know Eric was probably using her because she was older more than likely established already so I don't know but basically Cynthia and Susie didn't like her and they didn't like her for their brother but there was obviously chemistry there because they had been seeing each other for quite some time and as the detective investigated Eric's relationship with Denise, he discovered that she had a key to his apartment. And obviously her DNA would be found in the apartment because they, you know, she had a key and she would be in the apartment, etc. But when the police talked to Denise, Denise revealed that they had broke up and it was a mutual agreement and she was actually out of town when Eric was murdered and they checked her alibi it checked out and so she be she then became you know no she was no longer a suspect they were able to rule her out as well but there's one person who comes to the police and her name is Katrina Ben she comes to the police on her own account and she asks the police, you know, what happened. And she reveals to the police that she and Eric had a relationship. Katrina and Eric met each other right outside of their apartment building. Um, She said that, you know, he walked over to her and asked her if she was a nurse. They exchanged numbers and they began to casually go out on dates. She said she said they shared some of the same hobbies, such as watching sports. And so they liked a lot of the same things, but it was very casual. She told the police it wasn't anything really deep. And she admitted to being with Eric on the night, um, the night before he was murdered. 
She said that when they were just, you know, sitting down, hanging out, watching TV, and he told her that he wanted to go and get some weed. So she said this was a little unusual because he never um, wanted to do that before. But, you know, they both hopped into the car and headed to go get the weed. She said once they're there, there's kind of like this shady exchange between the drug dealer and Eric. She described the man as skinny, bald, with a scruffy beard. And she said after they got back home, you know, Eric smokes and she she and Eric had sex. She said at some point during the night, Eric got up because the drug dealer came to the door and she said she peered out of the the bedroom and she saw that it was the drug dealer. And so she kind of just went back to sleep. Um, and she said she left at 530 that morning to go back to her apartment and get ready for work. So when the police hear this, they are just like, okay, this could actually lead to something. So they go and track down this drug dealer. And when they find him, they question him. And he tells them, like, listen, I did sell weed to Eric, but I didn't go back to his apartment. I don't do deliveries. I don't do that. That's not my MO. That's not what I do. And they looked at security footage. They checked his DNA against what was found in the apartment. It didn't match. He wasn't seen at all. And so it led them down a rabbit hole, so to speak, that ended up just being a dead end. So once Detective Reuven had substantiated the drug dealer's claim that he was never at the apartment, he knew he had to re-interview Katrina and confront her with her lie. But Katrina stuck to her gun. She said that, you know, the drug dealer did come by the house. She left at 530 in the morning. And if somebody came after that, well, you know, she doesn't know because she left. So Detective Ruben decides to kind of go a different way with his questioning. He asked Katrina, does she own a gun and has she ever used a gun? And she definitively denies that she's never owned a gun and she's never fired a gun in her entire life. So Detective Reuven heads down south to where Katrina's from, Silver Creek, Mississippi, and he questions her father to get a better understanding about who Katrina is and, you know, her involvement in this particular case. Her father confirms that he owns guns and that Katrina has been taught how to use guns. So this is another lie that Katrina has told law enforcement. And Detective Reuven knows in his heart that Katrina has something to do with Eric's murder. But she is, you know, there's just not enough evidence for him to tie it back to her. And so a year passes and the case is at a standstill. Detective Reuven, wanting to solve this case and not twiddle his thumbs, decides to run ballistics on the guns that are in the police's, um, in their possession, right? So he wants to see if the bullet casing that they recovered from Eric's apartment, the murder scene, matched any of the guns that were 
in their possession. And he was really taking a stab in the dark because they had recovered like 60 guns that year and he had to test all of them. And it was on the 59th gun that they broke the case. Okay. They found the 380 pistol that was used in Eric's murder. Now, this is kind of crazy how this gun was found, okay? The 380 that was used in Eric's murder had been spotted on the side of a DC highway. A tourist who was stuck in slow traffic recovered it and turned it in to the police. And you might be saying, like, why well, was that crazy? Well, <laughs> listen, okay. I'm just going to go and, you know, just make an educated guess that this person probably was white because I don't know not and one black person that sees a gun on the side of the road and says, hmm, let me turn this into the police. I might call the police and be like, hey, listen, like I'm I'm off 35. There's a gun. Y'all need to come pick this up so nobody uses it. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm not going to do is pick it up. And then trust that they not going to try to connect me to a crime because now my fingerprints are on it. Call me crazy. <laughs> but to me, this was definitely a strike of luck for Detective Reuben. And it sealed the deal. Okay. Like they had the weapon that killed Eric. All Detective Reuben needed to figure out is who purchased this gun. He had to tie the gun to a person. And this was definitely a, this was a feat, okay? This took a lot of energy because he had to go through backlogs of information and he was able to track the gun down to a pawn shop in Columbia, Mississippi. And that's just a few miles away from Silver Creek, Mississippi, where Katrina and her family are from. He went through the pawn shop's information, found that the gun had been previously owned by six people. But he also found at the very end that Katrina actually purchased this gun. At this time, Katrina eventually moves back to Silver City, um, Mississippi. She's arrested and questioned, but she just lawyers up. Like, she's just like, nope, I don't want to talk to y'all about this. Get my lawyer. She was charged with murder and the prosecutor coined her the Monday night girl. And prior to, <laughs> prior to knowing this case, I never heard this phrase. And so I, I am a millennial. Um, and so I'm a 90s kid. And so I never heard this before. OK, I'm just trying to give y'all context because for us, you know, especially here in Texas, we call people like like. Like a Monday night girl, what a Monday night girl is, we call them bops. OK, <laughs> if you ain't from Texas, you don't know. But if you from Texas, you know. OK, um, or, you know. A typical term is a side chick, right? Like a Monday night girl is somebody you don't take out or show off. You don't go out with her on Friday night. You're not trying to have her meet your family. You're not even taking her out on Sunday. She is reserved to staying in the house and not being shown off. Okay? Like, so that is what the prosecutor coined 
Katrina to be a Monday night girl. Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, Steph, she's a Monday night girl. She a side chick, jump off, a.k.a. a bop. What does that have to do with this particular case? Why was Eric murdered? Well, the prosecutors allege that because she was a side chick and because she was that Monday night girl, she wanted to be more. And she wanted to be Eric's one and only. She wanted him to be faithful. And they allege that on the night of his murder, she looks through his phone after they have sex and she finds out that she ain't the only one that's trying to be the only one. You hear me? And so she shoots him in his sleep and then ditches the 380 gun on the side of the road. And then quickly takes on the role of the overly concerned lover and goes down to the police and inserts herself into the case. Um, so that she can seem like she's innocent, right? Now, the defense, her defense, makes a claim that that's not true because, you know, Katrina knew what it was between them. She knew that he wasn't faithful. Besides, she says that they only knew each other for three short weeks. She wasn't that invested in the relationship. And she understood that he was not going to be just faithful to her. Like, they weren't in a relationship. Now, an expert goes to trial and testifies that the bullet that was found in Eric's murder matched the 380 gun that was recovered like so it is definitively Katrina's gun and it was it was it was Katrina's right and then her defense says oh no 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 Eric could have very well went into Katrina's apartment and retrieved the gun brought it to his apartment and then someone else may have used it they also say that the bullet casing that was found matched other guns too. And it didn't just match Katrina. It actually matched other guns as well. The problem with that is number one, I think you can argue that Katrina only knew him for three short weeks. She understood that their relationship was not um, exclusive. I think you can argue that, right? But here's my problem. You cannot argue about this here gun and that the ballistic test matched the gun. You just, you can't argue about that. Mainly because Katrina has proved herself to be very unreliable as a, as a witness. Like she's lied to the investigators a number of times. First, it, she never owned a gun and never fired a gun. Now it is her gun. Like girl, like, no. And why would Eric go into her apartment, get the gun, bring it back to his apartment? What would be the reason? You know what I'm saying? Like, make it make sense, Katrina, because it's it's not it's not making any sense. And the jury agreed. It didn't make any sense. Clearly, Katrina was guilty. So in six hours, the jury found her guilty on the first degree murder charge and they sentenced her to life plus 20 years. This particular case 
um, really has made a lasting impression on me. It's 2022. I watched this man maybe back in 2013 um, when it the case was resolved and they featured it on Dateline, but it's also been featured on um, Oxygen's Snapped, I believe. And um, I've seen it like a number of times told by different people. And the reason why this case made such an impact on me is I just admired um, Eric's relationship with his sisters and his brother. They really cared about the well-being of their brother. Okay, and just because you're raised with somebody and you have a sibling does not guarantee that you are going to be close to them, especially in adulthood when you you go off and you create your own life. But that was not the case for Eric and his siblings. He stayed close to them um, and they were able to really know their brother in such an intimate way that they were able to definitively say, like, no, my brother did not commit suicide. I know for a fact he would never do this. And I think that's such a bold assertion because I often, like I said before, you know, I think sometimes you just don't really know what people are going through. So when you make such a bold statement like that, you really, really know that person. And I identify with that because I am close to my siblings. I'm very close to them and we have a good relationship. And so I just kind of felt connected to this case because of that. Now, on the flip side, I just want to say that this truly is just a cautionary tale. Like, I think that Eric, or I would like to think, because I don't know Eric personally, I didn't know him personally. I would like to think that Eric was living his best life. He was a bachelor and to all, for all intents and purposes, he was like the total package. I will be posting pictures of Eric. He was very handsome. He was tall, dark, and handsome. Not only that, he didn't have any kids. So he was like the cream of the crop. He had a good job. He had his own car, his own place. And when it comes to that, like you're the cream of the crop in the community. Like we're like, oh my God, okay. He has it together. But Eric was so consumed in being a ladies' man, he didn't ever he didn't ever take the time to consider that it could get really bad and sticky icky icky for for himself. Like his brother tried to warn him and say, Man, slow down, you know? Like, and I think that we often subscribe that at the very least, if you're, you know, having different women at the very least, the worst that could happen is they just, you know, slash your tires, put sugar in your tank. But his brother gave him a great warning because the truth of it is, is that regardless if you're honest with with whoever you're dating and saying, hey, this is casual. I'm not trying to just be exclusive with you. Even if you are upfront and honest, that does not negate the fact that people have feelings and they become attached. And even if they try to be, you know, hip and be like, okay, we're not dating exclusively. He's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. You get attached. I mean, it's just, it's a part of the human condition. We have emotions, we grow feelings. And the unpredictable factor is, is you never know how a person's reaction will be because we're all different. And what may be big to me is small to you. And what may be small to me is big to you. And in this particular case, Katrina took matters into her own hands, quite literally, and murdered Eric for such a senseless reason. 
Like, and I always, I said this in the case prior in last week's case, I always have to just be like, man, and you murdered him because he was not giving you what you wanted. That's essentially why you murdered him. And I always have to circle back and be like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not a reason to kill somebody, you know, but for her, it was. And it's such a tragedy. It's such a tragedy. Um, And so I feel for Eric's family that they had to have their brother's life in in such a senseless way. So you guys tell me what you think about this case. Have you heard it before? If you've heard it before, is there anything that you found surprising? You know, is there any advice or takeaway that you got from this case? Let me know and I will see you guys next week. This is Murder in the Black.